Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. Welcome back to Learning Made Easier. This is episode 142, Finding Your Inner Six-Year-Old. Finding joy in learning used to be easy when we were in grade school. What happened? Why did learning become drudgery instead of fun? In this episode, Adam and I talk about why learning used to be fun, why it stopped being fun, and how to bring that fun back again both by finding your inner six-year-old and by designing classes aimed at bringing back the fun in learning. Adam doesn't exercise with his students early in the semester. He asks all of his students to raise their hands and when he names the age at which learning stopped being fun, to put their hands down. Inevitably, hands start dropping at around 11 years old, but 13 and 14 is when most of the hands go down. A few students are left with their hands up, Then Adam asks the class this question. Most hands went down at 13 and 14 in middle school. What happened in middle school that made learning stop being fun? After excited chatter, three main issues come up from the students. So the first issue is simply logistics. Suddenly, instead of one classroom, there are six or seven different classrooms and six or seven different sets of classmates and six or seven different teachers to deal with. You're not in one room all day with one teacher and one set of classmates anymore. Things get a lot more complicated in terms of what you've got to keep track of, who you've got to keep track of, what you have to worry about. Maybe there were teachers who were hard to deal with or who felt mean. Maybe you had a bully in two or three different classrooms now and the teacher's responses to the bullies weren't consistent. Maybe you were lost. You couldn't figure out where your classrooms were and you were constantly late because you were so confused. Oh, and let's not mention the books and the binders and the papers and all those things you had to keep track of or where your locker was and how to use it or no longer having recess the way that you did in grade school. All of these things that you now have to manage it makes it a lot harder to find learning fun. The social aspect of school changed as well. Suddenly, it really mattered whether you were a seventh grader, an eighth grader, or a ninth grader. Hierarchy appeared in all kinds of ways that hadn't really existed in fifth and sixth grade. Suddenly, there are all these cliques, the popular kids, the jocks, the geeks, the stoners, and so many more. Where did you fit in? Whose opinions should you care about? Whose could you reasonably ignore? Finding your place in the social hierarchy suddenly became a lot more important than it had been when you were nine or ten years old. And finally... Puberty hits at around 12 or 13 for most people. Suddenly, your body's changing in ways that you're not really ready for, even though you might have been told it would be happening. So for girls, curves appeared, and suddenly those favorite jeans that you'd worn since you were nine no longer fit. And of course, for girls, there was that inevitable monthly visitor. For boys, your voices were suddenly cracking and popping and dropping. And sometimes it felt like you'd grown two inches taller overnight and you got clumsy and your hands and feet felt huge and you're trying to adjust to the changes in your height and your weight. And for everybody, boys, girls, and otherwise, there was hair growing in places that you didn't know it could grow and there was body odor and 
there were just so many more things to pay attention to and attend to than you'd ever had to worry about before puberty came along. Oh, and let's not forget, puberty also created a ton of distractions. How are you supposed to pay attention to what the math teacher's doing at the board when that cute guy or that cute girl is between you and the board too? How are you supposed to think about your English homework, reading Shakespeare, when all you can think about is how much you want to play Juliet to their Romeo or Mercutio to their Romeo? Given all this, it's not surprising learning stops being fun in middle school. You're distracted, you're overwhelmed, and you're trying to maneuver a social hierarchy that's changing by the day. So how do you make learning fun again? We have a recommendation. Go back and find your inner six-year-old. Yes, we're serious. Remember being six. You were in first grade. The teacher got out the blue paint and the red paint and mixed them together, and oh, wow. Awesome, the result was purple. You probably thought that was the coolest thing ever. Or it rained and you went outside on the playground and all the worms had crawled out onto the pavement and you could watch those guys crawl. Some of you even picked them up and wrapped them around your fingers like a ring. That was an oh wow, awesome moment too. Remember flipping over a brick or a rock and finding roly poly bugs? That's what we call them anyway. Other words include pill bugs, doodle bugs, potato bugs, wood bugs, or slaters. The little bugs that, when you touch them, roll up into a tiny ball. Watching them do that was probably an, oh wow, cool moment for a lot of us. Now, when you're six, we admit it's pretty easy to find those moments because they happen every time you encounter something new. And when you're six, everything is new. But you can also set up your learning and your teaching so you can find and create new, oh wow, cool, or oh wow, awesome moments. So for students, here's the main suggestion we have. Find your inner six-year-old again and bring them, now I will say in attitude, not in behavior, to all your classrooms. Step back, let that inner six-year-old find something that seems really cool or new to them in your biology class or your chemistry class or your English class. Let yourself feel that, oh wow, cool moment. It's okay. You've learned how to manage all the logistical stuff at this point. You don't really have to worry about cliques in college. That stops happening, right? So now it's okay to go back and let that inner six-year-old part of you go, oh, wow, that's really cool. Now, for teachers, we have several suggestions because a lot of what goes into making learning fun, especially when you get into the middle school, high school, and college areas, it's up to the teachers, all right? So the first thing is autonomy. Give students control over what they're doing whenever possible. Let them pick what they're going to do for your class. Give them an array of different kinds of assignments and let them play to their strengths and their interests. So instead of requiring everyone to write the same exact paper on the same exact topic, give them a choice about their topics. Give them a choice about the book they have to write a report on. Give them a choice about a current event that they have to do a reflection on. Let them have some autonomy, some choice about what they're doing. Create in-class activities that allow them to collaborate instead of just standing there lecturing for 45 minutes or an hour while they're frantically trying to write down notes. Instead, provide the lectures as recordings they can watch on their own time. But give them some choices. Give them some control. Create practical assignments which support portable skills. Many students will ask you, where and when am I going to use this? Or why do I need to learn this? Showing students how their knowledge of the different theories of the family in your sociology class can help them understand how to create better art in their drawing class or better poetry in their English class will also help them see why they need it. Being able to use a similar skill 
or a new set of knowledge in different areas of their learning will also make it more fun as they find new ways to use it in multiple areas of their lives. Third, and some of you may cringe and say, oh, buzzword, but please bear with us. Gamify the lessons that you're giving. Create achievements, badges that correspond to the achievements, ways to level up, learning missions, and leaderboards to add some friendly competition. You've probably never heard of most of these things, so we're going to talk about them for just a minute. So achievements first, they're just what they sound like, a certain goal to achieve over time. So that might be you finished five of the eight homework assignments, or it could be you finished the first four steps of this six-step project. You can recognize those achievements in various ways, including in-class announcements or a leaderboard that you keep on the LMS, on the learning management system. Badges are becoming more and more common in classrooms, both in K-12 and in higher education. Many learning management systems will allow you to set up a badge for successful completion of an assignment, a unit, or a class, which students can then display in a portfolio. Employers are starting to look for these badges as indicators of various skill sets, too, which can be a great motivator for students to work for them. Leveling up is probably the most common gamification element that we see in education today. And it corresponds really well with things like standards-based grading. Do this many X, and then you achieve level Y. It also provides an ongoing sense of accomplishment for the student, and it motivates them to strive for higher levels and thus more success. And levels can also correspond with the badges that Denor just talked about. Missions can make learning really fun. This week, your mission is to find six sources for the paper assignment and create an annotated bibliography with citation information, answering these four questions for each source. Or today, we will work in groups to answer this list of questions about the lecture you listened to yesterday. The first group to complete their list will get a badge and first place on this week's leaderboard. This gives students immediate motivation to get the work done in a timely fashion while perceiving it as a challenge. Many online games provide daily or weekly missions, normally called dailies and weeklies, which players will log in and complete for game points, resources, or levels. You can create dailies or weeklies as class missions. Complete this 10 problem worksheet, complete this five question reflection, complete this step in the research project. And finally, leaderboards. These are online or in-class displays of who's currently on top. When I was in ninth grade my honors history teacher every time that we had an exam he would go to the board on the day that he handed back the exam and he would write 100-1-98-2-94-3 so he'd basically write the number grades and then how many people got them and then when you got your test back you knew where you worked because he had written a leaderboard on the blackboard so you were able to see where do i rank in comparison to my classmates online quiz games like kahoot display leaderboards at the end of every round, and they show who's currently the leader in points. You can do the same with many of the activities Denor and I have just talked about here, creating leaderboards that you update every time you grade. You don't need to display actual test scores or actual grades with people's names, just the levels or the badges that people have achieved using your gamification system. Like you could say, this week, four students achieved badge six, and seven students achieved badge five. And we have nine students who have moved from level one to level two. Okay, and if you've moved from level one to level two, you know where you are on the leaderboard, but you're not telling the students, Denor moved from level one to level two. You don't do that. You just say, this many students moved from level one to level two or achieved this badge or whatever they did. Competition is a motivator for a lot of people, 
And so this creates a healthy way to incorporate it into your class. Create review sessions that play into gamification. Use systems like Kahoot, Socrative, Jeopardy, and other online quiz sites to create competitive reviews. Divide students into teams for these activities to create community and collaboration. Let them work together to answer questions on review quizzes. And finally, create simulations that use the skills and knowledge that you want them to learn. So I have a social stratification simulation in my social classes, and this goes over two class sessions. So in the first session, students are divided into six teams, and each team gets a family profile, and each family is of a different level of social class. And on that first day, students are required to use that profile and build a budget for the family on Google Sheets. On the second day, I present them with different situations that their family has to deal with over a period of five months, which is basically 10 minutes of class time per month. And then they have to record how it changed their budget, where they got the money to deal with the problem, what their personal responses were to this, and so on. And these situations range from little issues like your youngest child is invited to a birthday party, the parent who's hosting it requests that you provide 25 bucks for arcade tokens at the local video arcade to really bad ones like the main breadwinner of the family developing terminal cancer. And after the simulation, students talk about their experiences playing the part of a certain social class, and they talk about what they've learned from having to do that. This sim is never boring, and the students always say it's one of the most memorable experiences they have from the class, mainly because they all learned something new in a way that wasn't boring and having to just write down everything I said. So that's what we have for you in episode 142. So if you're finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Android. We have decided to no longer publish this podcast to Spotify, so if you found us on Spotify, please take a look at other podcast apps. We'll probably be there. We're hosted on Blueberry.com, and we would really appreciate it if you could write us a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to join us next week for episode 143, when Adam and I discuss how students perceive cheating. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learningmadeeasier. And we look forward to seeing you next week.